Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day. Nick Durst back in the studio. Michael Rockman here. Destination Draft Day. It's a long road, but we'll get you there. Pro football, college football, NFL draft talk. We got it all for you, and we got a busy episode today. Nick, how are you doing? Michael, I'm doing I'm doing all right. And you know, we're coming to the end here of the football season. So, you know, a little a little upsetting. And we're not there's a lot of uncertainty going to be happening in the early new year as far as coronavirus and sports are concerned, but you know, everything is crystallizing here and we, uh, we had quite the weekend in college football. We had a crazy shoe incident, which cost Florida severely. And have you ever heard an official say, Penalty on the defense, uh, throwing a shoe 20 yards downfield. So that cost Florida. So they're done. Stick a fork in them. But then on the brighter side, we got Coastal Carolina, and they are in the top 10 now, looking good for a New Year's Day game. I hope they don't put them against Cincinnati, but I think that's what we're going to be heading towards here, Michael. Yeah, it seems strange to me that they have these sort of requirements for these bowl games. If there isn't someone who's in the playoff, then it goes to that next highest ranked big 10 number or whatever, as long as they're high enough, which just seems strange to me. Like instead, if that spot has been taken to a playoff spot, that spot should just become an at large bid for anyone. So I don't get why we're kind of keeping these power five schools uh, just protected. Whereas these G five schools have really earned the spot and the chance to compete are now just kind of being put to the back burner. It just seems disrespectful. No doubt about it. And this kind of clears the path a little more here for Texas A&M in order to potentially have their path to the college football playoff. And we're not talking, we're not talking, we're not going to put our graphic up today, but it's, 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 it's looking like we're going to have Alabama, with Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Clemson, which is the way it is right now. Uh, they're making some exceptions for Ohio State to be able to win the Big Ten. And that was another big story over the weekend as well, which is that they weren't able to play. They're not going to meet their minimum requirements for the Big Ten championship game, but it seems like they're going to waive that requirement to let them play. Yeah, it seems like the necessary choice. I think it's very clear that Ohio State is at least one of the two best teams in this conference. So anyone that was upset about this rule bending is more just upset because it's Ohio State, not because of the rule. Because this is a wacky season, obviously. It's very clear that Ohio State deserves to be in the conference championship. Let it happen. Let's see how they do. And I expect them to do very well. Absolutely. No doubt about it. So now, you know, we're looking at the SEC championship game. How do you see that whole scenario playing out, Michael? Well, I think this is a big outing for both teams. Florida now looking to bounce back after a rough loss to LSU. And then Alabama looking to really fulfill their destiny of getting into the college football playoffs. So both teams have so much potential. You look at Florida has one of the best offenses in the nation. Alabama 
right behind them with a, a very similar great offensive production. Defensively, both teams have their issues. I think Alabama traditionally has this great defense, and now this year they've given up some big games to some great offenses. So Florida definitely could find success. Kyle Pitts hopefully back so they could have a big game in that regard. Kadarius Tony on the outside, Trayvon Grimes, Jacob Copeland, some other weapons as well. Kyle Trask obviously looking to really cement that Heisman bid. And I think a lot of people kind of seem to think that it's going to be Mac Jones versus Kyle Trask, and whoever wins the SEC championship is going to win the Heisman, which is very much possible. In a year like this, you know, not many contenders are in the mix. Some people think Devonta Smith, the wide receiver for Alabama, should be the leader for the Heisman, and I don't disagree at all with that regard. But this game between two top-end programs, despite whatever happened in the past, is still going to be a great one. I expect Alabama to pull it out, but I think Florida is definitely going to give them some issues. I think, you know, with this whole clean incident now, if Florida wins, Alabama is still going to be in the college football playoff. Uh, I think that's that's just the way it's going to shake out. And that benefits Alabama, especially if it's a, if it's a close game. If it's a blowout and Florida wins, then then we have some questions. Yeah, I think for sure Alabama beat Texas A&M, and there's no real next team up besides maybe Cincinnati. So when you're looking at this, you're kind of saying, okay, Alabama pretty much locked in. Now it comes down to if Clemson loses again, then Texas A&M goes up. But if not, then we seem to have our four. No doubt about it. Now, to the NFL. Start the big game, which is the last game played. Buffalo Bills, they're making it a three-team race in the AFC. We figured that we're going to beat Pittsburgh here. I think even if Pittsburgh didn't come off a loss to the Washington football team, they were still going to lose this game to, to Buffalo and Buffalo. It's a real shame there's no fans there because, you know, Bills Mafia would have been going absolutely wild in that one. And Josh Allen now, Michael, we got to ask, is he the second best quarterback in the AFC? If it's if it's not, then maybe it's Deshaun Watson. Who's the third best? It's, it's got to be him, I would think, and Josh Allen. Yeah, he's really kind of put himself in that spot. He's had a great year so far. I think right now a lot of the question marks surrounding him have been answered. You know, a lot of people wanted to know, is he going to take those steps as a consistent passer? Is he going to, you know, be able to use his athleticism at the next level? First year we saw the athleticism questions answered. We saw the arm strength. We saw the projection. And this year, we're really starting to see it come together. He still has some misfires. He's not the perfect quarterback, but he's definitely put together a great case as to why he is a top quarterback in the NFL. Brian Dabble, the offensive coordinator in Buffalo, has done a phenomenal job of developing him. And I think that for that reason, he should be able to get a head coaching job this offseason. And Stephon Diggs has been an awesome pickup. So, Great job in that trade for the Bills. Leading the league in receptions right now, 100 receptions, which is the first time a Buffalo receiver has done nine years. And things are looking up for the Bills right now. If for somehow, some way, the Steelers can end up dropping another game and the Bills can get that two seed, it's going to be really hard for them to, to get out. But as I think the way things stand right now, it looks like we're going to be seeing a Steelers-Bills rematch in the playoffs and the winner will head on to Kansas city to take on Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs. Yeah. I think the only reason that this maybe doesn't happen is if the Colts somehow move up a little bit past the Titans and then Derek Henry just goes on another crazy playoff run, really just so many good teams in the AFC that I guess there's nothing really set in stone, but right now it looks like bills and Steelers could definitely match up again and we'll see who wins that second outing. Yeah, and obviously we have the one The one seed is the most important seed this year because it's the only seed that matters as far as getting the, the bye is concerned. And if you look at the Chiefs' schedule here, uh, you know, if they get the win versus the, the Dolphins, which wasn't that impressive. But they have the Saints next week. We'll see if Breeze is going to play. Probably not. Then they have the Falcons and the Chargers. So they're likely to win out. But if, if they lose a game and the Steelers went out, then the Steelers will get the one seed. So a lot is in play here, you know, moving forward here with, with the AFC picture. Uh, the NFC picture, very Merkled at the top here because the Saints, they lose the game to the Eagles. And Jalen Hurts 
Is he gonna? Uh, I'm thinking he might be on rock when turkeys of the week. We'll see moving forward here. Maybe not, but over 100 yards rushing, 100 yards rece- uh, passing, and the Eagles, they're staying alive in the NFC East. They get the win. Uh, first time that the Saints lose without Drew Brees this season. Yeah, and it's, you know, a tough blow to blow to fumble a game away like this, especially when you have the Chiefs next week. The Saints very clearly have one of the better rosters in football, but you got to be able to win these games while Brees is gone, and Philadelphia is one that they should have easily handled. They didn't. Now they have looked at the potential two seed. If they lose to the Chiefs, it seems to almost cement them as that th- as a two or three seed, depending on how the Rams finish out. So not ideal to lose this game, but ultimately, like you said, Breeze is out. So once Breeze comes back, they should still be very competitive in this league. Yeah, and it's just a matter of are they going to rush him back next week or they're going to just wait a little longer because now you have the Rams who on Thursday night beat down the Patriots. They're looking for the one seed. And once again, no surprise, the Packers win. They beat the Lions. Another great performance by Aaron Rodgers. Just 290 yards passing with three touchdowns. And now he needs one more touchdown to get 40 for the season. And I think that would be seven years of 40 touchdowns, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, Rodgers has put himself in a great spot to win the MVP. Looking at the Rams game, though, absolute dominance. Uh, definitely huge statement win for them. Obviously, the Patriots aren't the Patriots that we've seen in the past, but, you know, this team is still, like, competitive in each game, even when they lose, it seems, other than that Niners game. So the fact that they were able to come in and really just handle them uh, – sends a huge message for this team. And I think now there's a lot of confidence for the Rams to go out and win this division. Yeah. And they're looking at looking for that one seed as well as in play. Now looking at the MVP, I think in a change each week, but this week Rogers went ahead of Mahomes for me. Mahomes had the two picks. So uh, it's going to be real close coming on the stretch here. And I uh, I'm wondering which way the voters were lean. I think they would lean more towards Rodgers due to the fact that Mahomes is the younger guy. He's probably going to win a lot more, and Rodgers hasn't won an MVP in a while. So maybe they lean more towards Aaron in the voting this year. Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers is definitely in the driver's seat now to win that MVP award. You're looking at guys across the league, and it seems like Mahomes is definitely number two maybe Josh Allen at number three. Really, there's just not a lot of uh, great cases in terms of, like, that next tier after Rodgers and Mahomes. There's so many guys that have been, like, inconsistent. I mean, Russell Wilson's probably still in there, but he probably isn't a legit contender right now unless he finishes really strongly. Kyler Murray's kind of falling off a bit. And there's other guys across the league as well, whether you're looking at, you know, Big Ben just because of the season they've had has now kind of fallen off. So it's – it seems like a two-man race at the moment, and unless someone just finishes a year with great stats and great wins, it's probably going to stick to that way. Yeah, Kyler Murray kind of fell off a lot of an injury. Russell Wilson team hasn't been that great. Uh, so I think it's definitely Rodgers and Mahomes, and then you know Josh Allen's probably third place right now as far as uh, MVP race was concerned, which is it's rather interesting. And Something to keep an eye on. Uh, the Buccaneers, they took care of business against the surging Vikings. Gronkowski and Brady getting the job done. And uh, there's a lot of chatter coming off the bye week at the Buccaneers. Maybe they'll miss the playoffs. That wasn't going to happen. So they win the game and looks like they will certainly be in the playoffs. It's just a matter of where they finish in seeding as a wild card team. Yeah, and definitely – a big win for them. This defense was able to slow down the Vikings offense, which is huge. Looking at the offensive side of things, you'd still want a little bit more out of the passing game. Thought Brady was going to bounce back a little bit stronger, but it was still ultimately a good outing for the Bucks, winning against a good team despite the record being under 500. I think the Vikings in the second half of the season have played tremendous, so definitely a big win for them and now puts them a lot more comfortably in this playoff picture. Yeah, NFC is going to be wild. Uh, 
whoever's that top wild card team is going to be going to play the NFC East winner, which as of now would be the Washington football team. Great job by Alex Smith in Washington to beat the 49ers. 49ers, they're all banged up. Didn't think they're going to be a playoff team this year, but they stay been hanging tough. Uh, you know, Garoppolo's out hurt, but they get the job done. The Giants, they don't show up. Uh, big mistake by them to play Daniel Jones, whose best factor is mobility. He was immobile. He's injured. They start him. Uh, Cardinals figured out real quick he wasn't going to be able to move. One guy on the Cardinals had five sacks. Jones was sacked so many times. He had three fumbles. And the Cardinals, they get right back into things to make the playoffs here as well, which was also helped by the Buccaneers beating the Vikings. So Giants lose. Washington wins. Washington's in first place right now. Washington has a much easier path to the playoffs here, I believe. The Giants do have the tiebreaker. The Eagles won, so that helps them as well. And the Cowboys, they also pick up the victory against the Cincinnati Bengals and the Andy Dalton revenge game returning back to Cincinnati. Yeah, definitely a huge game for the Cowboys. Obviously, the Bengals aren't what we've seen kind of from them at the beginning of the season with Joe Burrow, but definitely a dominant showcase for both the Dallas Cowboys defense and the Dallas Cowboys offense got rolling. Now we need to see the offense kind of step it up because this defense isn't going to perform to that level going forward. So what can Andy Dalton do? What can Zeke get done? And what can this passing game ultimately accomplish? For the uh, NFC East, though, this huge last few weeks for Philadelphia now with Jalen Hurts being the starter again against Arizona. If he can get a win there, then he then goes against Dallas, and then that would set up a great matchup against the Washington football team, which could potentially be for the division. I know you've talked about that in the past, that game being huge and now. With Jalen Hurts in there, they looked a little bit better. So we'll see what happens. And then Cowboys definitely have a uh, big task ahead of them this week with their game. They will be playing the 49ers, which we just saw Washington beat. So it's just kind of a uh, comparative thing. And if they can win that one, then that's huge for them. Yeah, I think it's it might just come down to week 17. Everybody might be in play here. And they're all playing each other, so I'll have to see. But – Looking at the Washington football team schedule, they have the Seahawks next week, which you typically say the Seahawks are going to win that game easily. Uh, but, again, they did lose to the Giants, and they haven't looked good coming to the East Coast this year. And the Washington football team has the Panthers and the Eagles. So, to me, that's looking at seven wins right there. The Giants would have to win two more games in their schedule, which is going to be tough to get the Browns to the football and they got the Ravens and the Cowboys. So if I had a pick right now, I'd probably say I'm going to lean towards the Washington football team. Uh, but we did mention the Seahawks and a game with big draft implications. The Seahawks against the horrendous Jets. Big bounce back win for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. And they went 40-3. to Sam Darnold and the Jets looked. Absolutely atrocious. Donald was 14 for 26 with 132 yards passing. What a disaster that team is. Maybe they shouldn't have fired, fired Greg Williams. Maybe they could have uh, maybe only got 30 points instead of 40. But uh, the Jets, they do what they do best, and that is lose games. Uh, the Jaguars, though, they're keeping pace as they lose to the Titans as well, 31 to 10. Yeah, ultimately, it looks like a sure thing that the Jets are going to go 0-16. Hard to see them winning any of these games on the schedule unless, it, of course, the Patriots kind of do this little, oh, here you go type situation. But if if not, I think this team goes 0-16, just a rough outing for the season altogether. You're kind of hoping to see a little bit of step forwards with guys like Sam Darnold hoping with pieces in the in the receiving group with Crowder healthy, Denzel Mims being brought in, and then guys like Becton on the offensive line, where you'd see this offense kind of take a step forward. Hasn't happened. Whether you want to blame Gase, whether you want to blame Darnold, whether you want to blame, you know, just anything. The ultimate fact is this team just sucks. And now it's it's time just to end the season. JTS uh, blow it up and we'll see what they do. Obviously, there's pieces that you keep going forward. Becton, Mims are looking pretty good, but you gotta you gotta bring in Trevor Lawrence. You gotta fix up this defense. You gotta fix up the offensive line. Still, 
Got to get a running back. Got to get more receivers. Got to get some uh, pieces on the secondary, anything. Got to get some coaches. Got to get some front office people. You know, there's so much to do for the Jets. Only one offseason to really do it this year. So we'll see what happens. I think we're going to see Jared Stidham starting in week 17 against the Jets. I think that's the only game they could win. And I've been saying it for weeks now. So we'll see how that turns out. Trevor Lawrence is probably not too happy because I don't think he wants to be a New York Jet with the way things have been going. Uh, I mean, just look what they've done to Sam Darnold. Darnold is a disaster. He hasn't progressed at all. He's only regressed in his, his seasons here with the, with the team. And I don't see why people are thinking that the Jets can get a second-round pick for him. That, to me, it doesn't make any sense. Why would somebody trade a second-round pick for him? Maybe you get a third. I don't know, Michael. What do you think the value is on, on Darnold right now? Yeah, I think right now, looking at Darnold, you're probably either getting a second-round type pick swap thing where maybe you use one of your later seconds and you move up or your early third and you move up into the mid-second for Darnold or something like that. But most likely, it's a late third mid-third type pick or a collection of fourths or something like that. But, yeah, his his value seems to have tanked. I think, obviously, there's some upside with him. I'm a, I'm a Darnold fan, still kind of believe in him a little bit. But right now, it's just not a great look for him. And this team is just rough. And I, I hate to blame him because, obviously, there's much more to blame than just Darnold. But there's been some some bad outings, that's for sure. Speaking of rough, Falcons versus Chargers in an ugly game. Chargers win 20 to 17. But at the end of the first half, uh, the Chargers show major dysfunction. And on uh, third down, they run the ball with no timeouts left. And they don't get the first. So they can't spike it. And then they can't get the field goal off in time. And Anthony Lynn's screwing out the offensive coordinator. So all the good that Lynn's done with Herbert this year. I don't know if that's going to save his job moving forward here, Michael. And I think Chargers might be looking for a new head coach. Yeah, it's been the main issue for the team the entire season's disorganization. And Lynn has kind of been the blame for all that. There's been so many times where we see these plays where the Chargers have potential and they just run the most bizarre things. And maybe that's on play calling. Maybe it's just on one of the special teams coaches, offense coordinator, whatever. But Lynn is the guy that oversees that all, and it is happening constantly. So I think he's probably going to be looking for a new job this offseason. Potentially just heads back to Buffalo as the offensive coordinator because, like I talked about earlier, I think Dabble's going to be a head coach this year. So we could see something like that where that situation takes place. Interesting. And the other game that we didn't talk about yet is the Broncos defeating the Panthers and Drew Locke looked really good. Four touchdowns, 280 yards. I'm more of a Drew Locke guy than most people, and I think he can be the quarterback for years to come with the Broncos. Obviously got hurt this year, and that really hasn't helped Vic Fangio's cases, but where do you see the Broncos you know, moving forward here as far as the quarterback position is concerned? I think unless you find yourself in a position to bring in a Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, Dak Prescott, if things get really wacky, then you stick with Locke. You potentially bring in someone like a Fitzpatrick or maybe a Sam Darnold just as potential backup and competitive QB play, but you're ultimately rolling with Locke as your starter for the next year. And, you know, I think as games like this happen, it just builds the case for why Locke should be the QB. And, yes, again, I do think that they'll bring in someone to back him up and potentially compete for the job if he starts to struggle. But ultimately, I think Locke is definitely going to be the starter next year. For Denver, it just doesn't seem convenient to move on just yet. Who do you think is the uh, the head coach for the Broncos next year? I love Fangio, so I think that's the right call. But there's definitely a case – not case, but there's definitely been rumors that Fangio could be gone if things don't work out and they may want to go with a more offensive guy, which makes sense with how the league's trending. But I think, uh, I think Fangio is a great head coach, and he deserves his chance to really compete. The only thing that sucks is, let's say they roll with Locke again next year and they're 6-10, and 10, Fangio's just out, even though it's not really on him that the offense didn't get going. True. Black Lesnar wants to know, is it time for Minshew Mania to hit Denver? I think Minshew's going to find somewhere that he lands. I don't know if it's going to be as a starter or as a backup. If he goes to Denver, like I have been saying, I feel like he would start as the backup. 
potentially find his way into the starting lineup. Who knows? I could see him going to a place like Chicago where they're just kind of desperate for a solid QB. And, you know, I think Minshew could fill in that spot, whereas they don't really have the draft capital to pick a quarterback that high. So someone somewhere is where Minshew will land. I don't think that the Jags will hold on to him if he's really trying to start. I don't know. He does seem like a great teammate, great guy. So maybe he'd be willing to sit there and continue to be a backup for the Jags, even though I think it'd be in his best interest to try to get out of there and become a starter somewhere. I can see them holding on to him for another year. Uh, they won't make, they won't necessarily go to Justin Fields right away to start the season. Start with Minshew and, and see what they have we have from there. You know, we start this year with with Herbert. It was only a week, and it wasn't supposed to be, you know, that way with Tyrod Taylor's injury. But that was their plan going into this. And who knows? Maybe Tyrod Taylor ends up uh, in Denver. You know. So for a look at the game of football from a coaching scouting administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today from high school, college to the NFL from recruiting to the NFL draft to agency, from pregame to postgame film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes. Underfootball.com is your source for all things football. Thank you for joining, and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. Michael, let's take a look at Rockman's Rookies of the Week. For this week's Rockman's Rookies of the Week, we got Jalen Hurd starting it out, the QB out of Philadelphia, not necessarily blowing up the stat sheet, 700 or 273 yards, a touchdown, 17 for 30 in passing. But ultimately, this guy has really put together a great game against a great defense, and that is how you get on this list. If you're able to turn around the momentum for this Philadelphia team, come out and win a game against a great Saints defense where no one really expected this team to come in and win. It's a huge outing, and that is why Philadelphia gets their rookie QB on this list. Jalen Hurts, great week for you. The next rookie of the week is Jonathan Taylor, 20 carries, 150 yards, two touchdowns, alongside two catches and 15 yards to go with it. Great outing for Jonathan Taylor. He has really proven himself to be the dominant back that we were kind of looking for when the season started. Really, this huge question mark for the season is who's going to be on that all-rookie team for the year. And James Robinson's kind of locked his spot in, but there's two running back positions. Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, they're all making a strong case. Big weeks like this from Jonathan Taylor will make the decision a lot easier. I know uh, I know. moving into the draft, you had uh, Clyde Abitaler as your you know, top running back there. Has that changed at all as far as you look at these guys that are rookies right now, career projections, and who you're expecting to have the, the most success moving forward? Well, I didn't I didn't have Clyde Edwards Lair as my top running back. I thought I thought he was honestly like around running back eight, but once he landed with the Chiefs, I thought he definitely had the easiest situation to succeed. He hasn't really put together the season you would have expected out of him. You'd think the Chiefs would have been more reliant on him, used him easier, but he hasn't had as much success as I would have expected. He's still a fine running back, but I think ultimately he's been a bit of a disappointment for a first-round pick. A lot of fantasy owners not happy with him. 100%. And I was one of them that believed in the hype just because, you know, anyone who's running for the Chiefs is going to have some very empty boxes. So I thought he was going to be in for a big season after finding out he'd be with the Chiefs. But ultimately, you know, he's been all right, but... Right now, not up there with the uh, other rookie backs, in my opinion. And one of those rookie backs is Cam Akers, 29 carries, 171 yards, two catches and 23 yards. Game for him. Put up the record for top rookie performance, rushing yards on the season. Akers has really claimed this role in the Los Angeles Rams backfield. Makes this offense a lot better when they don't have to just completely rely on Jared Goff. If they can have Cam Akers continue to be a production beast, this is going to be a very dangerous Rams team. The next rookie of the week is Chase Young. And if you can squint hard enough, if you're watching the stream right now, six tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, two pass deflections, one fumble recovery, and a touchdown. Ultimately, a dominant day filled up the stat sheet. Chase Young had even more of a presence than the stat sheet indicates he was hurrying the QB all day. He's creating pressures 
and he gave Washington a great outing on the defensive side of things. Looking at this team, they put up two defensive touchdowns against San Francisco. Obviously, you know, San Fran isn't the team that we've seen in the past, but this is still a tough team week in, week out, and Washington was able to come in and rely on their defense to have a great week. Chase Young is the leader of that defense already in his rookie season, and he proved that today with this performance. Yeah, I think Young finally is getting comfortable in his scenario. Uh, everyone thought he's going to come in and just change the, the league defensively. He was okay for the first you know, 10 weeks or so, but seems like uh, he and the rest of his teammates are just getting much more comfortable as a league. The next rookie of the week, another Washington football member, Cameron Curl, the strong safety has had a phenomenal season, and in this game, he continues to add to that case. Looking at it, he had seven tackles, two pass deflections, one interception, which he took back for a touchdown. Great day for Cameron Curl. Washington really had questions about their secondary heading into the season, and early on, the question marks continued. Now Cameron Curl has stepped into the strong safety spot and been absolutely phenomenal. Just, you know, it's great to have late-round hits, and Cameron Curl already looks like a star in that regard. So definitely a great pick for the Washington football team. And, you know, going forward, they have some young pieces that are going to be studs once they finish out really completing this roster. Do you think right now, he's not here, but is Jeremy Chin a defensive rookie of the year? I think Jeremy Chin and Chase Young are the main competitors. I would probably go with Chin right now, but I think Chase Young has definitely built up a case. Yeah, I think I'd go with Chin Chin as well. Uh, But certainly... Won't help Chen if uh, Washington ends up making the playoffs. It seems to be something they vote for often. Uh, and that offensive rookie of the year, uh, I think it's going to come down to two guys. Neither of them are listed here, but Herbert and Justin Jefferson is making his case as well to try to to crack that that you know title there. But usually it goes to the quarterback, so I think Herbert still has that locked up at this point. Yeah, I think Herbert's the easy decision. Um, Jefferson has obviously had a phenomenal rookie year, and props to him definitely. But, you know, they always lean QB, and Justin Herbert is on track to shatter records. So definitely a strong case for why Justin Herbert will be rookie of the year. No doubt about it. And Herbert, we always we always knew he was going to have great stuff, of course. Uh Two years ago, he opted in for his senior year, but there was talks that the Giants wanted him or he could have went to the top of the draft. So we always knew he was there. Uh, Jefferson, I think he kind of rose through the ranks last year uh, with the great season at LSU, uh, but he still was kind of a little overlooked in the draft. But who are some, uh, some talent we're looking at this season who could potentially shoot up the draft board when it comes this spring? Well, we're looking at draft risers, and for a day three guy, we're going to talk about Demetric Felton, a receiver-type back. Whether you want to line him up at wide receiver or running back, this guy is going to be able to produce for you. He is an absolute playmaker. UCLA depends on him heavily for all their success. Now they're on to a strong season. They put up a heck of a competition against the undefeated USC. Demetric Felton is a star player, and I think right now, Putting him as a day three guy kind of almost is dismissive of how talented he is. I think right now you're looking at this guy going day or round four, round five, not a round six, round seven guy. This guy is going to be a stud and keep an eye out for him because if your team is looking for any weapons on the offensive side of things, this is someone that they could easily pursue and they'd be very happy about it. For a day two player, we're looking at Baron Browning, the linebacker out of Ohio State. A lot of people had question marks about this guy because he was a great run stopper and he showed athleticism, but we haven't really gotten to see him, you know, really showcase all these skills. And while Ohio State has had some canceled games, they haven't had the opportunity to play as much. We've definitely seen some great growth out of Baron Browning, and he's put together some strong performances that showcase not just a run stopper, but some pass coverage ability, some blitzing ability. And now whether you're putting him in a spot to really be a full-time linebacker, or if you want him in a spot like the Sam linebacker where he's rushing the passer a lot, I think he's going to find success. I think Sam linebacker would be perfect for him, you know, joker role in some defenses, and I think he could be a stud. 
for a day one riser, round one type guy. Jalen Phillips talked about it on the mock draft special. Jalen Phillips has put together some strong outings as an edge rusher, even in this UNC game where the running backs absolutely dominated the defensive line. I don't feel like that was on Phillips as much as it was on the interior defensive line and the linebacker group. Phillips is going to blow people away at the combine. Once that happens, you'll hear his name a lot more commonly up higher in these draft boards, probably first round in my opinion. Right now, I'm just saying it's going to happen, so we might as well just have him in the first round already. He's a stud. He's going to really fill in somewhere, whether it's Kansas City like we had on the mock draft special or whether it's somewhere else, maybe a place like Pittsburgh where they are probably going to lose Bud Dupree or maybe somewhere else. But this guy, I think, finds us home in the late first round, and we're going to see him really rise up boards from from here on out and expect his name to be more common in draft circles as the year progresses. For a top pick of this draft, top 16 type guy, Zaven Collins, a linebacker slash edge type, really probably best in a linebacker role, but he can rush the passer if needed. 6'4", 260, offers a great frame, moves extremely well. I think he's great for any hybrid defense schemes, probably can succeed in any defense at all, though. You're looking at this guy, and you're bringing, in, you're bringing him in to really be a key piece that can rotate throughout your front seven, whether it's on the edge spot or any of the linebacker positions. And, you know, with the frame, physicality, and just overall football IQ, I think he can do it. And right now, the biggest thing that holds him back is just Tulsa isn't the greatest school, but we always see these smaller uh, school defensive prospects kind of rise up and people say, wow, this guy's a stud. Let's get him. And I think David Collins is the next one. And I've definitely heard a lot of rumors following that trend lately. Yeah. He's, he's very athletic. He, he was actually a high school quarterback and linebacker, which you don't really see that often. So you know he's mobile. He's 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 got a high IQ, and I like this segment because we just we actually get to see people rise. Because I believe a few weeks ago you had him as maybe a day one guy or a day two earlier in the season. So he's rising up. You're watching him, and just like you, so are, so are the scouts. And like if if he has a good pro day, could be looking at a top ten pick. Yeah, I think almost definitely you you look at him and you see so much potential. And I think defensive coordinators love that whenever they're looking at these prospects because you can put them anywhere on the field, like I've said multiple times. And when you have that, you're almost sure to be able to find a spot for him on your defense. Whether he is rotating around at so many different positions or not, you're still being able to put him into one position maybe and you're going to be able to find success for him because most likely he's going to find a spot where he succeeds. Forget about it. We'll keep an eye on that. And, you know, I think right now a lot of teams have turned their attention to the draft. And the top two, of course, the Jets and the Jaguars, they're looking at quarterbacks. So then after that, it might be a while before someone like Trey Lance is off the board because I'm not really sure who's going to be looking definitely for a quarterback. Maybe you say the Bears – they're probably going to be a mid to late later first round pick though. So it's a question of will they have to go up and trade for somebody in that regard. Uh, but you know, defensive uh, linemen and offensive tackles, if you, if you want to be in the NFL and you can't be a quarterback, those are the two spots you want to be in because they always get a lot of people drafted in the early rounds. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, looking at the QB carousel for rookie guys, you know, I think it's clear that the Jets or Jaguars are going to be picking Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And then you kind of look down at the board and you say probably Carolina for Zach Wilson. And then that leaves guys like Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Kyle Trask, and you kind of question where they're going to fall to. Some people would want the 49ers to pick Trey Lance, which I think is possible. Some people would want the Denver Broncos to pick Trey Lance, which I think is possible. And then, you know, there's questions of places like Detroit, uh, potentially a spot like New England, potentially talks of Washington. So there's definitely places that these QBs could find themselves getting picked at. But the question is, will these teams go out and select these quarterbacks or are they going to kind of pass on the idea of getting a QB yet and then 
either pick one later on in the draft or wait till next year to look for their guy. I think it would be a good idea for Zach Wilson, and he might do this anyway, to return to school uh, because he's got a great chance of being the top guy off the board the following season. Looks like a weaker quarterback class, and I think for him, uh, he would definitely benefit from that. Yeah, and, you know, there's some strong positions for next year. at the. There's some strong guys at the QB spot next year, but they're not really cemented in like someone like Trevor Lawrence's. Uh, Sam Howell has definitely put together a great year and had some hype, and he could easily be the top QB off the board next year. Uh, there's guys like Keaton Slovis who has some love. There's guys that potentially could rise up like Spencer Sanders or Phil Jerkovich. But ultimately, right now, there's not really a locked-in number one pick like we have with Trevor Lawrence. So Zach Wilson could potentially return, could find himself as the consensus number one guy next year, be that top pick, and it could potentially be great for him because, A, he would get to return to BYU, have a chance to really be the top uh, QB in the land, potentially find himself with a strong independent season schedule, and be like Notre Dame some years where they get in with a strong enough case. He could potentially graduate transfer to somewhere else, maybe somewhere like Oklahoma or somewhere that really needs a QB. I guess they have Spencer Rattler, but he's been on and off. So I don't know if he'd go to Oklahoma, but just somewhere where they'd be like, we need this guy and we're going to create a championship situation for him. And then, you know, there's also just the possibility of entering this year being the third, fourth QB off the board and still being probably a first-round pick. So there's a lot of options for Wilson, and he's going to have to weigh his decisions. Right now, I think it's most likely that he does declare just because that's just what we've heard, and there's not much else we can base off of. But, yeah, there's definitely a case for why he should stay, too. Yeah, I think if he stays, he's the Heisman favorite for next year as well. Uh, I think he'd be a great fit in New England, I think. Give it, give, give him to Josh McDaniels, and he's going to be super creative in the way he could, you know, manipulate him and everything. And the the Patriots won't be picking in the thirties this year, so if there, this is a chance, maybe if they like a quarterback with all their, you know, extra picks they've had for letting people sign elsewhere, like last year with Kyle Van Noy and whatnot, they could move up this year if there's somebody they really like. Uh, then I went up to the top two, but you know. If uh, if he's the, the third quarterback on the board, there's a possibility there. Or you know, same with Trey Lance. Uh, as far as uh, next year is concerned with quarterbacks, I want to make a note here that uh, Mackenzie Milton is going to be going to Florida State, so he's most likely going to be starting quarterback there. Could be a good spot for him. You know, Florida State's in a bit of a rebuild. I know you originally had him as like a day two, day three type of guy, but. What do you think he would have to do in order to be a draft riser? I think right now the biggest thing is proving, A, that you're healthy, and then ultimately coming out and he's going to have to change his game. A lot of it was dependent on mobility, and I don't think that's guaranteed to be lost, but I think there's still going to be so much that holds him back in that regard. So now it's going to be can you still move around in the pocket well enough? Can you still handle pressure well enough? And is your arm still the same – that it was, is it stronger now? Can you really make all these throws that are now being expected of QBs? You know, so many times we've seen these guys that, you know, maybe throw 59%, but they offer so much as an arm strength type player that someone says, okay, we can work with them. So they'd rather have that than someone who's throwing, you know, 70%, but doesn't offer the mobility or arm strength to really succeed and be a game changer at the next level. So right now it's all about showing the tools and, Mackenzie Milton, if he wants to be a top pick, has to show off that he still has a lot of upside to offer because right now, at his current age, he's definitely already having his stock hurt. That about it. Hopefully, you know, rooting for him with his, his injury that they can, uh, you know, put things together here and move forward. Now, tonight, big Monday night football game, one of the biggest games of the season, and you have the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Cleveland Browns, Michael. One of the biggest games for the Browns in years. I've said this like three times this year, but they're the home team. They're playing in prime time this week and next. Is the picture, is the spotlight going to be too bright for them? Perhaps. Uh, 
to me, this is the game the Ravens need. They absolutely need this. They're playing desperate. And Lamar Jackson was back last week, and they looked great. So I still don't fully believe in the Browns offense, especially about Adele Beckham Jr. So it really wouldn't surprise me here if this is a game where the Ravens could come out, put up 30 points, and the Browns are going to have to just go into shootout mode in this one. And it's going to be interesting because this is basically a game where it's really a run-heavy attack on both ends. So that's that's going to be a major factor in this one. Yeah, and, you know, looking at these teams, you look at really just the Ravens are such a defensive squad. And for that, they're going to be able to slow down Baker Mayfield's success in the passing game, and I think that's going to be huge. But right now, the questions fall on the Ravens' offense. Can they produce at a level that's high enough to win them games? So right now, looking at the Ravens, I think I like them to win this game. I think they have more on the line, whereas the Browns, Mm -hmm. yeah, they can potentially get in position to win the division, but – Ultimately, this game means more to the Ravens who are now fighting for their chance to make playoffs. So I like the Ravens in this one. I think it's big that Lamar Jackson is back and healthy, had a great game last week. And now it's just going to come down to how many of these guys now back from COVID are able to add a contribution. Uh, I know without Brandon Williams, they struggled to slow down the run. And I believe he's back now off of the COVID list. So that should be huge for them. And I think that will be a big piece of this Ravens defense slowing down this Browns offense and getting a key win for the season. Yeah, I think I think it's crucial for them for their chances to make the playoffs. And they're 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 kind of still in it, but you know, if they win this game, they'll definitely be in the in the conversation. Uh, obviously, the Raiders losing and the Dolphins losing absolutely helps them tremendously and now you're looking at a scenario where you know we're gonna assume well when we know the Chiefs and Steelers are in the Bills are going to be in let's assume that the Titans and Colts they're both in one one the division the Browns are going to get in and now if the Ravens win tonight they are eight and five the same as the Dolphins so they could potentially overtake them for that seven spot Raiders are still alive, though, at 7-6. So it'll come down to those three teams, and it all have it all starts with the Ravens having to win tonight's game. Yeah, and, you know, there's always going to be the intensity of what happens to close out the season, regardless of what happens tonight. People aren't going to dismiss the Ravens. People aren't going to just give the spot to the Dolphins. So there's still, obviously, a lot of opportunity, but I definitely want to see – a Ravens victory tonight and then really just add some spice to this playoff run. Yep, no doubt no doubt about it. And then in the NFC, just look at the playoff picture. The top six teams pretty much set. Where are the order yet? We got the Packers, the Saints, and the Rams. One of those teams will get the number one seed. Then you have the NFC East winner. So we won't say that someone is set there. That's gonna be that could be anybody. Washington, New York, Philadelphia, or Dallas. And then you have the Seahawks, who are right now in a wild card spot, the number five seed. The Buccaneers, they're in the sixth seed. And then the seventh seed, uh, still a lot up in the air. Cardinals, they needed to win. They got the win. Vikings, they lost, but they're only a game back. Same for the Bears at six and seven. So two six and seven teams, one team with seven and six at the seventh spot. If I had to guess, I would say that the seven teams currently in the NFC picture are going to stay the same. And that's where I, where I would, I would just think moving forward. I think in the AFC, the seven seed is up for grabs between Miami, Baltimore and the Raiders. Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing that could change things is if it is if the Eagles beat the Cardinals next week, and then that kind of creates chaos for both the NFC East picture and the last seven spot, because then the Vikings and Cardinals would be tied to finish out the season. Ultimately, though, I definitely think that we're going to see this seven kind of stick there and keep their spots. But who knows? You know, a healthy 49ers team with Garoppolo and Kittle back could potentially be there for that Week 16 matchup for the Cardinals, and that's definitely not something that they would want to see. And then if they lose both those games, they're already sitting at seven and eight, 
and then they have to go and play the Rams, who will likely be trying to win to secure the division. So not the greatest uh, finish for a schedule for the Cardinals, but hopefully they can hold on and uh, really show themselves out with uh, with some big wins in those last three games. No doubt about it. And as we wrap up here, I just wanted to let everybody know that Destination Draft Day is sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the U.S. We have teams together to provide a special gaming offer to all Landry football followers and podcast listeners. Here's what you do. Go to the website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page and get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. Just don't forget to take advantage of the special gaming offer for American betting experts. It's so easy. Just go to LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page. Pick them on the gaming sites legal in your state. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet. It's that easy. Thank you to our sponsor, American betting experts. And that's all we got for you on Destination Draft Day. Nick Durst, Michael Rockman, here to talk about pro football, college football, and NFL draft. Destination Draft Day. It's a long road. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for everyone in the comment section, all the viewers throughout the show. We appreciate you guys so much, and we'll see you Friday. Take care. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.